All right, once you like to take your Bibles and open up to Matthew 25, I think what we want to do this morning is I want to read uh, two parables from Jesus. We'll talk about them for a few minutes. Um, and then we want to, uh, I know there's, there's a tension in my heart because I know I, I like it whenever, like at the table, there's always just time to like talk with each other. Um, and I want to make sure there's plenty of time for that. Uh, at the same time, I know there's some updates from each other that I think it's going to be good for us to, to hear. And I thought it would be good if we just had a few minutes where we could pray, um, pray for each other. So we'll see coming out of this if, if it's best for us to pray with each other right away or go ahead and get the table set up. Um, but thank you for being here this morning. Matthew 25. Um, everybody say, so we have a lot of friends who are either not feeling well or are away today and they've asked that we record this. So let's, we'll count to three then we'll say, hello, family, okay? Does that sound good? Okay, so we have one, two, three. Hello, family! Man, we miss you guys. Pray that everybody is feeling better. Um, I heard different people. Maybe I just did this week open. You can come check your bathroom. That's the button. All right, sorry about that. Uh, I was talking to people earlier this week, and I know Jesse said her, her boys were sniffly, and then Katie was telling me about uh, stomach bugs and, and different things that were happening. I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy to be with you. And, um, pray for pray for my family. We are happy to be home. We got home last night and uh, happy to be here. And we have a week at home, and then we have one more work trip this year. And then after that, we will be able to, um, to be back. And I'm excited for some of the things that we'll share. Um, just some good things are happening for I feel like for our church family, but some of the stuff that's going to allow my family to be here more. So. I'm going to get into Matthew 25 by telling you about last Sunday because it's, it's relevant. I just think the Lord is wanting to speak to us about preparation. And I saw a picture this morning of raw vegetables on the counter. And I just feel like some of you in your life right now, you were hoping that the stew would already be ready. And it feels like you just got a raw onion sitting on the, on the counter or some celery uh, or some garlic. And, and you're ready for things to be done, and God is still in a place of like, you being able to recognize what else going into the thing that's preparing. And I think that's important for us individually, and I think it's, I think it's important for us to collectively. And so one of the reasons why I want to take a few minutes at the end and say, hey, uh, there was legit like worship happening. Uh, as I was, I was just like looking around and just, I love you guys, I love being here, just watching different people. I looked up at one point in time, and I'm sitting back there with Loretta. The Lord was speaking to me about Loretta over here as I was worshiping, and I went over to give Loretta a hug, and I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, Loretta's crying. I think I'm just going to stay here and worship here while I'm sitting next to Loretta. And the Lord's working with on Loretta about stuff, and I look up, and, and, and Mike has got his arms around Luke, and Luke's crying, and, and I look over, and... and um, I don't know, I just look over and, and, and Paxton's over there sitting on the floor. Um, and I forget what song we were singing, um, but I mean, I think it was like the heart that's fully in love. And I just look around and people are engaging. And we, I mean, I think we all know this. For us to live a life where our worship will make a difference when we come together, we have to live a life where our hearts 
are given to him and worship and a prayer in our own walk with him. Right? There's fewer of us here, but you guys know the rules. Come on, you guys, you guys with me? Like we have to have a walk, we have to have a walk with Jesus when we're not together for our sounds to be significant when we come together. So, you know, this last year we've, we've talked a lot about like having a radical responsibility for, for the root of our own faith while still trying to exercise these, these places of what's Jesus doing in the midst of us? What's he doing in the midst of two or three? What's he doing in the midst of five? And for some of us in the midst of practicing that, the Lord has brought you together and it feels like you've been drawn closer to, to things that are happening to people. And for others, the Lord is calling you out and pulling you out into different things. And we shouldn't be freaked out by what God's doing. But I got reminded this last, in the last week specifically, we had um, uh, in, in Seattle, Luke and Robert joined us for a bit and Cody was there for a week and that was wonderful. And then we got to see Ryan and Local Roads and Peter and Sierra Lewis. And for some of you, you have no idea who those people are. But for, for some of you, those were names that were around here 10 years. I, I met Ryan Rhodes 12 years ago, which is crazy to me to think about. Uh, it's been 12 years since he came and showed up this month, since he showed up down on the south side of Pittsburgh, rededicated his life to Jesus, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And whenever I was hugging Loretta earlier, I was like realizing our connection to Loretta and everything that God's done in our family through Loretta and our friendship with Jess happened because of what God was doing through the ministry that Ryan was leading in Columbus. And it's cool to me to see how God was connecting stuff. So then we go down to Portland and we end up seeing, some, again, some of you have no idea what this name will be, but we saw Mary Beth Bitzer on, in Portland. Some of you guys have heard the, the classic worship song, Is It the Cheese or Is It the Presence? Um, and some of you have not, but that song is crazy. And Mary Beth was a key writer of this song, Is It the Cheese? She also wrote a song uh, called Unicorn Farms. And Robert and, and Luke had no idea what it was when I pulled up an old thing. Uh, it was called Collab. <laughs> I knew, but there was an old, like in 2012, different people had written different songs and it was crazy. We had like uh, Bear singing this like Native American war cry song. We won the war. We won the war. And the next thing, our friend Martin from Detroit is doing this like epic spoken word. It was a Tuesday in a parking lot. And it was like, what's going on, you know? Uh, there was a daddy-daughter date that got recorded uh, whenever Abby was like four or five, and it ended up on that thing that's still, it's still on the internet. Saria and Jasmine are singing coffee and cream. It was a good old memory. But in the midst of all the old memories, I realized I heard from Mary Beth things, I heard from Cody things, I heard from Ryan things that were happening in their lives 10 years ago, 12 years ago, and they remind me a lot of different things that are happening right now in people's lives. Uh, it, it feels different whenever I think whenever I look out and I see what's happening with them. And so last Sunday night, we had an opportunity to go and join with Ryan and Milka and as they're as they're launching a, a new church in, in a neighborhood that we've been prayer walking the last couple of years called Belltown. And we had we looked at Matthew 7, we looked at three things in Matthew 7, I'm not going to go through all of those. But as I was praying this morning and I was praying this week about what is it that was good for us to hear this morning as we're preparing for what God's going to speak next? Well, Lord brought up with the, the stuff from last weekend. What I realized about Matthew 7 is that Jesus is talking about some different things in Matthew 7. He's talking about this idea. It's kind of scary. He says, 
By your, by your fruit, they will know you. And the context in which he's saying that is, is right before he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we done all these things? But they'll know you by your fruit. And so we got a chance last week to talk about fruitfulness and what, what does Jesus teach us about fruitfulness? The next thing Jesus talked about, that, that was the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the next thing that Jesus talks about is um, the idea of are we wise men who built our house upon a foundation made of rock or are we foolish men, foolish men who built our foundations made of sand? Does anybody remember the difference between the wise man and the foolish man in that passage? But, but what would Jesus say if you do this that you're like the one who built his house upon the rock? The person who is a wise man who builds his house upon the rock is like the person who hears and obeys, or hears and does. And the person who is like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand is like the person who hears and does not obey. Okay? So forgets. So we know we went to James and we talked about what it means to be a forgetful hearer versus being a doer of the word. So we've talked about that before again. I'm bringing this up because it's going to lead us into our time in Matthew 25 today. And then the last, and the last thing in that Matthew 7 pa- passage is they talk about how Jesus, when they get finished, they talk about how they took note of Jesus. That he taught as one having authority, not like the scribes. So last week we talked about fruitfulness, we talked about foundations, and we talked about focus. And, and I, as I was thinking about that, I just realized that as Jesus is going through teaching all the different things in the Sermon on the Mount, he addresses many things, but at the end of it, he calls, he calls them to this place. And the, the Sermon on the Mount is the longest teaching of Jesus that we have recorded. Just as in John 4, we have the longest conversation that Jesus is, has with the, with the woman there at the well. That's the longest one conversation we have from Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is the longest sermon that we have from Jesus. But as he is winding this thing down, he is, he's really speaking to them things I think that are, like we need to hear. Who would have thought we need to hear things that Jesus has said, right? We need to hear and pay attention just before he starts speaking about fruitfulness. He says, don't forget, broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life and few will find it. I would submit to you that as we live in the United States of America, we, we thought we could outdo Matthew 7 and we could create a Christian country where broad is the way that leads to salvation and narrow is the way that leads to destruction. But that's not the gospel of Jesus. So I just want to submit to you that even though we live in a culture that has been defined uh, as a Christian culture, Christian nation, don't be deceived. What Jesus said is still true for us. Broad is the way of culture that leads us into distraction and leads us into destruction. Narrow is the way, and few will find it, that leads us into a path of life. What did Jesus say eternal life was? Knowing the Father, to know Him and to know the Father. It has always been a narrow way to walk with God. Now, that doesn't mean like we do have these stories like we do have in John 4, and we have stories like we do in Acts, where whole groups of people come to Him. That doesn't mean that we won't see great great uh, outpourings of his spirit. That doesn't mean we won't see prophecies fulfilled about great harvest. I believe that we will. But I think we're deceiving our, ourselves if we ever forget 
we ever look to culture and hope that the culture is going to reflect godliness, that's not culture's job. That's our job as his people, to reflect his heart. So we shouldn't be distracted and discouraged when we look around us what's happening. What we do is we look at Jesus. We turn our eyes on him, and we look at him. So now as we go to Matthew chapter 25, it's within this context of the world around us is broken. In Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You will be a city on the hill that cannot be hidden. So this is toward the beginning of Jesus' ministry. But as we approach Matthew 25, we're now coming toward the end. And he, he has a couple parables in here that I want us to read. Uh, and, and some of these parables are, um, especially the second one about the talents, we see similar things recorded. This was something that Jesus talked about more than once. Because they're not exactly the same. It's not just the synoptic gospels recording them differently. These are things that I believe that Jesus said over and over again. And in this context, in Matthew 25, we're going to read these first two parables. So let's look at Matthew 25, verse 1. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins around arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, if you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. There's a few things I want us to hear today as we listen to this first parable in Matthew 25. The first is a condition that we can place ourselves in. We can place ourselves in a condition of we are living in our faith in a place of expectancy for something that has not yet happened in terms of the, of the coming of the king. Now, there are many different doctrinal viewpoints of exactly what that's going to look like. I don't want to get into all that today, but what I do want to say is Jesus said there is a time when we shall prepare for the king's return. And in the midst of that, there are those who are waiting on him, and because of the delay, they got sleepy and they slept. They got drowsy and they slept. And then there was a sound. There was a cry. And the cry that went out was, Behold, the, the bridegroom's coming. Right? So in the midst of that, we now have two groups. We have one group, ten virgins. Then we have two. We have a group of five who were wise and five who were foolish. This is important today because in just in the same way that at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, all of you are hearing this. All of you are invited into this. Some of you will be wise and build your house on a rock. Some of you will be foolish and build your house on sand. I think it's very important for us to note that in the teaching of Jesus, as much as his love is unconditional to us, his invitation to us needs to be taken as something that we follow through with. His invitation is given to us, not as just a static thing like, well, hey, you're all in the party, so whatever happens, happens. 
We don't want to, listen, there's a lot of times that within, throughout the history of the church, we move between these pendulums of all the pressure of making the kingdom of God come is on us. And so we work and we put the stress on us and we strive and we move into performance. Everyone say performance. Performance is not, is not God's best for the church. But then what happens? The pendulum will swing and we will see, oh man, we did all the striving, all the efforts. And then the pendulum swings all the way over here. And we're like, oh, it's all, just God's doing it all. Whatever God wants to do is what's going to happen. God is sovereign. And we will allow, God is sovereign, by the way, but we will allow our bad reaction to performance to move us over into passivity. Say passivity. Passivity is also not good. Which one's worse? Both, right? Neither of those are the invitation from God at the end of Matthew chapter 7 or in this passage. He's not inviting you to live in a place of striving where there is no rest, but he is inviting us to live prepared. So let's say, let's say performance. Let's try that again. Let's say performance. Let's say passivity. Let's say prepared. Right? So God wants us to live in a place of preparation, a place of preparedness. And I love how uh, one of the things I feel like I learned maybe 10, 12 years ago was the Lord was really teaching me because I was trying to move away from that performance lifestyle. Maybe it's been a little bit longer than that. Is that the difference between passivity and patience is intentionality. It is staying engaged. So like sometimes for me being patient on something feels like it's an invitation to be passive. Right? Because I guess I'd be patient. And I don't like that word patient. I mean, we've talked about that before. But the idea that love is patient means that love is not passive. Love is not just saying, well, whatever happens. Love is staying engaged. Love is staying present. In the same way that when Jesus invited his disciples to abide in him, the key to abide was not just being in the house, but it was being present with him. We all know what it's like to be in the same room with someone that you don't have their attention. Abiding does not just mean being in the same room. Abide means be present with, connect with, grow with. In the same way, in this parable, we see these two different groups. We see the wise and we see the foolish. And the wise were prepared. Can you say the wise were prepared? Prepared, right? You got that? The wise were prepared. And they were prepared because they had bought oil. And they had stored oil. Those are two different, those are two different actions. To buy oil and to store oil. Because if you're only buying enough that you're consuming, you still don't have anything prepared. Holy Spirit, help us repair. I think there's a way that we can live with God where we are buying oil enough to consume for the day that we're living in. I'm giving him enough of my focus and attention to get through today or this week or this month. But just having enough for today, while that gets me through today, that isn't prepared like it's talking about in this passage. Does that make sense? So I look around this room and I have personal testimonies from my relationship with, no, for, with you guys to know, you love Jesus and you decided you're going to walk with Jesus. But as I was thinking and meditating on this passage, I think there's something I feel like a, uh, an urgency that we're preparing for beyond the status quo. 
We're preparing for beyond what it takes for us to get through another day. Like, I don't think anyone in here, if I were to say, hey, how many of you want to show up here next month exactly like you are right now? I don't think that's what you would say that you want to do. I think you would say, no, I want to grow deeper in my love for Jesus. I want to grow deeper in my love for, the, for my family and for the people I'm following Jesus with. I want my light to shine. But I think there's a way that we can kind of get, we can get lured in to this place that as we're waiting for this thing that hasn't happened yet, we can kind of get lured into just, well, we, we buy enough gas, put it in the car, and then we're going to plan to buy gas again tomorrow. I, drove, I rode a bunch of Teslas this week when I was out in Seattle. One day, every appointment I had, had a Tesla. You know what they, you know what they said to me about their Tesla? They said, they talked about how much money they're saving. Gas is between $5.50 and $6 a gallon in Seattle. And the, one, and the one pastor said, yeah, it cost me 60 bucks a month. He's a real estate agent. He said, it's costing me 60 bucks a month. He made a decision. I want you to think about this now. This is not a Tesla commercial. But he made a decision that was costly. He made a decision that was costly and he prepared his home. And now, as he made that costly decision... Every, every day that he's recharging that car, he's already prepared to do it again tomorrow. Does that make sense? He has something built in now to his home that means as long as there's electricity, there's always enough. On, on the day that I met with this guy, we had just driven to Portland and I put $100 of gas in. Cody and I had driven up to, to town uh, once from the house to Seattle. And I was in Seattle again the next day driving around and I had to stop and put another $100 in. I'm like, I just spent in the last 48 hours, I just spent three months, over three months of this guy's cost in two days. Now, there's nothing that I can do that I know of that would allow me to live in a, listen, there's nothing, if I'm just living in a buy-consume, buy-consume mode, there's nothing I know that I can do to do anything else than just keep putting gas in the car when I run out. Right? But what Irwan was sharing with me, this friend was sharing with me, is he made that decision. I got out of the car thinking about, man, he's really sold that this was the right move for him. He drops me off for my next appointment. My friend Marcus shows up driving a white version of the same exact car that I just got out of. And I said to him, I was like, how do you like your car? And he said, oh, I love it. It doesn't cost me anything to, to, to uh, you know, keep it charged up. And I said to him what Irwan said to me about the $60. He said, oh, that's only because he lives in a place where there's a electronic or electricity penalty for those cars. He said, my electric bill didn't change at all. And I thought about this in a different way. So again, this is not a Tesla commercial. But there's a place where I can live my life using what I need to get through the day and then I feel I can buy more. Or there's a place where I can reorient at a great cost to live my life knowing there's all, guys, there's never a time I don't need to abide in him. There's never a time that he's not available for me to walk with him. As long as I'm connect, living connected to him, there's never a time I'm going to run out. I don't have to live in a place where I'm, I'm afraid of what's going to happen. Am I, will I be prepared? I can 
can live connected to him. I can live abiding in him. And when I live abiding with him, I don't live in fear of what's going to happen when the bridegroom comes. I live with expectation and anticipation of power because I love him. I've done both. I don't know about you. I've had moments in my life where I put in just enough to make it through. For instance, man, there's a lot, there's a lot of conversation about my rental car and, and, and gas. I made the decision because the, the, the woman was showing me all the prices of gas out there. I remember one time when we were in Seattle trying to make it to the airport, stopping to get gas, and it was like 50 cents more close to the airport than it was anyplace else. And so I decided this time to prepay and buy the gas. What do you think I wanted to do? How much gas did I want to have in the tank when I got back? <laughs> so now I am seeing how little I can be, or how little gas I can have. And I feel like I've experienced that too. It's like, how, how little can I put in? <clears throat> Does that make sense to you guys? And, and the counsel that comes in the scriptures, first of all, be awake. It's time to be awake. Everybody say, be awake. Be awake. And buy oil. Don't hope that you're going to draft off Carl. Carl is a, is, a, is a generous guy. I don't understand everything in this parable, to be completely honest with you, but there was something that was not wise for, the, for, the, for those that were prepared. It was not good for them just to give what they had to someone else. There is something that's healthy for us about cultivating this source that we are buying oil and we are ready, that we are awake and we are ready. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> We are awake and we are ready. So in this first parable, if we want to live wise, if we want to live uh, as those who are welcomed in and enter in, guys, I'm not talking here just about salvation. I'm talking about what it means to walk in intimacy and walk in the revelation of our bridegroom king. Then we need to live in a place where we are consciously awake and we have, and we have gotten to a place where we are saying yes to what it costs. Okay? Any other observations real quick before we jump to the next parable here? Talked about Tesla's at church today, y'all. That was, that was the... Yes. Um, whenever I've been talking about engagement, I have like writing it down and I've been like, but it's more like asking like, what does that word mean? And I think in like life, like engagement is like the time before like the wedding. And I think that was it and like I'm pretty challenged right now. I think there's a place of that. How do I live? Eager, or I would say with that, that place of anticipation driving my preparation. Does that make sense? Can your anticipation create a fuel for preparation? Yeah? This is uh, weird to talk about my company right now, but uh, we, we spend uh, a lot of money on marketing, and sometimes the leads are coming in. And sometimes they're not, because whatever. You can't control it. People are not responding the same way. Um, so it's been really helpful to remember um, there's always work to do. There's either responding to the fruit of the 
marketing machine, right? Like I have opportunities in front of me right now. It's game time. And when they're not, the natural feeling I have and I know a lot of people on my team have is, why aren't the leads coming in? What can we do? What, what should we tweak? Sometimes tweaking it is the opposite of what you want to do. And it's been helpful to remember the time that it's not outputting opportunity is the time to be building on the systems and preparing and switching over so that whenever they start to come, we're better positioned. Uh, so our little motto is, we, we have work to do either way. It's just different work. That's good. I love that. We have work to do either way. It's just different work. That's, that's really true because sometimes we live in these seasons where we feel like, oh, there's so much happening. How do I keep up? And I was like, my life is empty. What's going on? And it's like there's a place. And sometimes those are not separated by too far. But if we don't live in a place where we're staying connected, if we don't live in a place where we're staying connected to him, we can easily get deceived. We can easily get deceived. Some of the people I know in ministry, their greatest seasons of burnout come immediately after what they felt was the most fruitful season. Why? Because they got so distracted by the weight of all the fruit. It was that, or maybe not distracted, they got so overwhelmed by the weight of all the fruit, it pulled them away from the intimacy of connection. So regardless of the season that you're in right now, I want to say, let's be committed individually and together. Let's be committed to be awake. And let's be committed to be in a posture where we are buying oil. Let's be committed. Listen, I, I've been reading Revelation 4 and 5 a lot over this last month. And, it's in, and, and, and beyond, but specifically in Revelation 4 and 5, if you were to take time this week and look at all of the crazy things that are happening, there's a crystal sea, there's a rainbow around the throne, there's seven, there's seven uh, creatures, and there's, there's, there's the, the four faces of God, there's all this stuff. But something that's very practical from this morning in this place is there's a bowl with the prayers of the saints. In the midst of all of that stuff that's happening that seems otherworldly, the things that Angie is praying, and whether she is praying them with her hands lifted high and a hallelujah in her heart, or with her heart feels like it's burdened down, somehow our, our time with the Lord through prayer and through worship is recorded and stored for those moments in heaven. They're significant and they matter. And buying oil is really important, all right? Let's look real, let's look real quickly at the next thing. The parable of these three stewards. The parable of the talents, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, another two, and another one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who received two gained two more. But he who received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled his accounts with them. So he was received. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord just said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look. I have gained two more besides them. His Lord said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you have not scattered seed. 
And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. And cast the and cast the utter or the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a this is not an easy word. This is not an easy word for us to hear. But in the first message, we hear this: Don't stay asleep. Don't be drowsy. What are the things that can lure us into a place of drowsiness? Comfort. Comfort. What else? Distraction. Distraction. Exhaustion. Exhaustion. Stress. Blessing. Blessing. Taking responsibilities that aren't ours. Taking responsibilities that aren't ours. Comparison. Introspection. Self-help. I would say not only self-help, but I think that sometimes personal development can become a place where in our, in our commitment to always be learning, like I know people that are always onto the next thing before they've ever actually implemented the last thing they're on the next. And that's, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. So I think it's important, guys, that these two parables are stacked one on top of each other, and Jesus actually connects them. Okay, if you look at verse 14, he says, he finishes, he finishes the, the first story, and then he says, for the kingdom of heaven is life. So we want to live in a place where we are fully awake and fully alert, and we remember the importance that we live with the, the return of the bridegroom. Right, so we're ready. We're ready for him, and I think that there's a place and approach in our life, very practically, through the way that we cultivate oil, and the way that we pray, and the way that we worship, and the way that we spend our lives for him. It was beautiful. It has been beautiful uh, to watch. And in the last month, I've had a picture or opportunity to see the way people have spent their lives with the poor. I've seen that in individual situations. I've seen that as getting to meet some different friends and watching the way they're giving themselves for the way of the poor. Yes, that is a way that we could say is more like it feels like we're more using it. But I also know what happens that whenever, what does that scripture say? That when we lend to the poor, when we give to the poor, what happens? Where does our return come from? What's that? We're lending to God. We're lending to God and God gives, God gives back. You can look that up if you, if you need it. It's, it's a very good thing that whenever we give ourselves something, when we spend our lives on behalf of those who are poor, I'll let you define what poor means. That God shows up. Man, that is a good investment of your time. That is a good way to buy oil. Is by having time for those who don't have. Because we ensure that God's going to give the return. 
But we don't stop there, but just be awake and make sure you're buying oil. Because now we come into this place of stewarding what we have. What do you have? For some of us, for all of us, there's different areas of, 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 of talents that have been entrusted to us. There's the, there's the physical, natural things. There's the, there's the financial things. But then there's always also these things that we carry within our spirit. And I want to submit to you that if we feel like we can make it to the end and give God back what he gave to us, for some of us, that feels like really good church thinking. That's good nonprofit thinking. Right? I didn't lose what I had. But I'm giving it back to you. But in the parable, he was looking for those who would be entrusted with a little and be faithful with it. And he says in this passage, for you have been faithful in little now, I will be well. You look back and see? It's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Look at verse 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of our Lord. I want to say, I think that the, the vegetables are on the counter. And, I, and I'm not saying that every one of you individually is in my life, but I think that I, as I look around, there's many of us individually there, but I really believe collectively the vegetables are on the counter. And how we live in a sense of spiritual awakening uh, spiritual alertness, spiritual preparation is really important. And then how we steward what God has entrusted to us. Is it enough just for us to get by and have enough to make it to the end? Or is our heart burning with love for the king, learning with, uh, burning with love for the bridegroom in a way that says, no, God, I want, to, I want to give you more. I want to give you more. I want to be faithful to what you've entrusted to me so I have something to give you. I watched, I looked up one of my moments this morning. I looked up and Sierra was worshiping. And Sierra was worshiping not with both hands in the air, but she was worshiping with both hands on her babies. <laughs> You're waiting to see what I was going to say there. <laughs> I was also waiting to see what I was going to say. I didn't have to get to How did I do? Good. And I just thought back to a conversation I had with Sierra on the porch. Three years ago? And I've watched Sierra be faithful in some things and some hard things. I've watched her give herself to the Lord. And I'm just thinking about that would have been really weird if you were worshiping with your hands on your stomach that way. That's not how you were postured. But God is releasing something to you guys. And then I look over to see what Mike's doing, and Mike's holding Luke, right? So Mike, <laughs> Mike was talking about weeks ago about a dream about how he's going to hold twins. I don't know. You're just practicing holding Luke, right? You're just like, that's right. So, guys, there's something to be said in, the, in this Matthew 25 passage, which really flows in this time of Jesus talking about what's going to happen as we're getting ready. Guys, I'm not here to tell you when Jesus is coming back. I am here to remind you that Scripture talks an awful lot about living ready for the moment. Can we stand up together? I want us just to pray into this this morning. We'll set up tables. We'll go ahead and um, get, I think there's some food that's warmed up.
Please, let's do this. Because I do want to make sure there's some important updates that we want to do. So let's try to get together. We'll come back. We'll get around some tables. And uh, we'll have time to eat and have, have the conversation on the table. And then we'll also have time uh, for those updates, okay? Well, let's pray. Um, I invite you just... I like put my hands on my heart because I just know what it means whenever somebody's hands on me. Whenever I lay hands on, on someone else, it's a place of, I'm just extending faith. So I invite you to do that. I don't really care if you do that or not. I, I invite you to do something, whether it's move around, do something to move just out of a, 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 any, any posture of just like status quoness, right? So whether you put your hands out, you put your hands on your heart, you move around, whatever it is. God, we don't want to live in the status quo. God, I ask right now that you would give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear. Father, we just don't want to see what you're doing when you're sending comets across the sky. God, we want to see what you're doing even as the, even as we, even though we can't see the wind, God, we can see the effects of the wind. We want to have eyes to see which way the wind blows. We don't want to just hear you when you're speaking loudly, we want to hear your whispers. God, would you tune our hearts? Would you awaken our minds? Would you remove anything from us, God, that would lull us to sleep? Would you, God, would you, would you eradicate complaining from our hearts? Any place in us that is murmuring or complaining or griping against you or against each other, God, would you remove it from our hearts? God, any place where comparison would want to bring us into competition. Hmm. Yeah, I just pr- let's just pray into that for just a minute. Got any place for comparison with ourselves in a different time or with others would try to move us into a competition instead of abiding in you. We come against it in Jesus' name. And God, we pray that there would be nothing drowsy or sleepy about us. That we would be people of rest, the people that are awake. And Father, we also pray that you would give us the wisdom of what it means, God, not just to buy enough for today, but to buy and store that we would have on reserve. That there would, we would be confident that there's more than enough. We would be confident, God, that, that we've not... Yeah, I think sometimes in my mind, I think about people who, who store up things is because they're afraid of what's coming. And I don't think the intention of this was for you to be a, a, a hoarder or stockpiler because you're afraid of the end. I think it's more like what Abby was saying. <laughs> because of the anticipation we prepare. We don't wait, we don't wait until the moment right before to prepare, but like we know that we're saving ahead of time because we're we're excited for the wedding that's coming. It's worth saving for. It's worth saving up for. And then Father, I pray that in this next God, I do pray that in this next month, I pray that in this next week, that each of us in this room, I pray for those that are not in the room. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that. Um, just as Peter and John were able to say, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. And Father, I pray that we would become more aware of what you've entrusted to us. I pray that we would be aware of what has been released, the grace that has been released, the measure that has been released, so that we would be those who have much to give you. God, I thank you that in your word there's always enough. And God, we just pray that within our community, God, I pray with both within AOX and I pray within the church in Grove City, that there would always be enough. That what the book of Acts talks about, that there was no need among them. May that be true with us, God, both financially, but even more than that, that, may that be true in the way that we love each other and take care of each other. And God, even as prayer is released for one another today, 
I pray in Jesus' name that it would be more in our minds than just saying some nice words in a room with people's eyes closed. But we would be aware that as we pray, that you have caused strength to be added from one to another. And so we pray that we would be stirred up as if we share a meal today. May we receive it, may we share it, may we exchange in it, and may God we be strengthened as we come around the table together. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. to announce that we are going to have a cookie potluck for her birthday on Saturday. No, Friday. 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 Friday is the fourth? Yes. Cookie potluck, which means bring cookies you know, for yourself and for other people. Um, and from 6 to like 8.30, we're just going to hang and chill. And then Adrian wants to put some movie on after that for anybody who wants to stay. Um, but if you're going to call, come. Just text me or Abby, so we'll make sure we are prepared for the people in the year. And uh, yeah, so that's that's that. Mommy. Anybody else got your Mama. or something like that? You know, Mommy, more pizzas coming up there. Yeah. There, are, there are more slices of pizza coming. So we'll have time for Six o'clock. What time is the cookie? Eight o'clock. Does that include supper? It's her birthday. We'll see if we're, we're gonna try to stick to that. I'm, I'm, I'm still scheming for baking stuff. So. Guys, I'm really excited. This is not announced. I made fuzz sliders. So some of you have heard about my fuzz burgers. I made fuzz sliders. I made it was six pounds of meat. We got fifty-five fuzz sliders. Abundance. It was abundance of fuzz sliders. Tell them tell me the What's that? What? <laughs> right. Who was that that had a Cody? Yeah. Cody said there's must be a feeding of the 12,000. <laughs> Jared's going to open up a restaurant called For Real. So, uh, <laughs> all right. No, it's a question. For real? Yeah. Oh, question. Question. For real? Exactly. That's a good name. Oh. Hi, Bella. That's good. Hi, all right. Bella. Um, hi, hi, Bella. Several months ago, we had had a conversation with you guys about what's going to happen with kids in our collective gatherings. We've obviously not had that taken care of, but why don't you be praying? Um, I had a conversation with Loretta uh, a while ago, asking if she'd be willing to help be on point. And Loretta really has a heart for not just like I would say Loretta's heart for what's happening with kids is not primarily about what's happening with Senate. But as I was praying about the different people who are have communicated, they're willing to be a part of it. I felt like I needed to honor the fact that like she has something to serve these families. So in the next month or six weeks, uh, we're going to be trying to meet all the different people who have two different groups of people. Number one, the families have kids, and also 
um, people who have said they would like to be a part of that. So would you, can we pray about that? I really, I know I've said this a couple times, um, something really happened in my heart at Silas's baptism. Um, I really felt like that was one of the most significant moments in the history of our church. Um, and I feel like one of our, one of our greatest, uh, one of the things that we have in terms of what we're stewarding is God's entrusted us with these kids. And so God's entrusted each mom and dad here with kids, and then God's entrusted us together. So as we begin to pray about what it means for us to um, encourage these families as they disciple these kids to love Jesus, also what it means for us to journey together in that. Let's, let's not be in passive mode where we're waiting for someone to come up with a solution. Does that make sense? Everybody yes. hear that? Yes. This would be a really good example of let's not be asleep or drowsy waiting for someone to come up with an answer so the kids aren't running around. Let's be awake with a heart of stewardship as we pray into this. that sound good? And Loretta said she has a willingness in heart to do that as we know what it looks like either. So as we begin to pray with other people that are willing to be a part of that, let's just ask the Lord to really speak into that and so what we would see would be something really excellent. Okay? That's, that's one thing. Second thing is, I'm, I'm bummed out that Jesse is home with the kids today, but Jesse and I will be having a meeting on Thursday, hopefully, um, with Dixon in Malawi to talk about some next steps uh, there. So they just had, um, they just, Jesse said there's pictures and videos of so much abundance um, of, of the- No flood? There was no flood. There was, there is something they're working with now, so they do need some help right now, but they had a great fruitfulness and it's wow. spreading. But guys, we've been talking for a while um, about potentially coming alongside Dixon and helping the farming God's way to see this multiply. So let me tell you real quick, um, I just had a conversation several months ago about what it would cost to multiply, like did Dixon have people that were ready to be sent out to be like to be workers? Are you guys all paying attention? Yes, sir. Check this out. For hundred dollars a month, we can send out someone that is already trained and equipped to go to other villages like Filetti and teach them farming God's way. For one hundred dollars a month, that takes care of someone full time. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And when he started, it was like seventy-five dollars a month, and I was like, "Is that really enough?" He's like, "Well, not really." I was like, "Okay, hundred dollars a month." So. Jesse and I were talking, and we're going to do like an email or a text, hopefully after our meeting with him on Thursday with all the details. But Jesse and I were talking, and we, so there's five people that are ready. One that would be specifically from Filetti, so one of the farmers that we've already been investing in would be raised up, mentored. He would spend part of his time with Dixon, and part of his time sent out. He would, he would take care of Filetti. So We've come to the end of the first five years, which is our first agreement with Farming God's Way, is they would mentor, they would go set up and mentor farmers for five years. And so we've come to the end of that. They have had a crazy run of like floods, and it seems like everything that happened in the book of Revelation or in the Old Testament uh, has happened to these people. But guys, like the, the pictures Jesse was talking about, on, uh, I think it was on Thursday, these are incredible to see what God has done as they've grown up. But we thought, okay, could we could we come up with $600 a month that we were committed to over the next five years? That's a big number. But could we have $600 a month over the next five years that would take care of five workers and then $100 a month as they had need of like some seeds or some this? We would just have money set aside for that. Guys, we're already at $300 a month that we were able to commit starting now um, without us doing anything. But what we would like to invite you to do is for us to think about this village of Folletti. So Mike and Ben and Katie and Jesse went there in 2015? Yeah, 15. I think it was 2015. 
So we've been in a, in a relationship with these people now for a while. Um, the vision of Farming God's Way is not only to help them learn how to do food, but it's discipleship. And so in Farming God's Way, the goal is in each one of those groups that the farmers like get together, not only around farming, but they also get together. Basically, they're like house groups that start uh, coming out of the Farming God's Way um, program. So we would not only be raising up people to send out that are good at farming, but we'd be raising up people that have been with Dixon. And um, most of you guys have met our friends Benjamin and Mercy. Mercy's grandfather was the head of Farming God's Way um, in Malawi for, for years, and he's now here taking care of his wife. But he said that Dixon is the best in the, in the country in terms of a man of God who has given himself to making disciples and doing farming. So I want to invite you. We're also going to invite our next layer out in spiritual family. If you say, oh, I can commit $50 a month to that. I can commit $20 a month to that. We want this to be something that we are committed to. As an extension of what God's doing in our spiritual family, we would like to make an investment in the nation of Malawi. And then, like, somewhere our list is gone. I just saw it not long ago, but our list is gone. We are now up to over 75 farmers. I think we started with 12. And so it's working there. It's multiplying there. But I would invite us to think about this, guys, how we can invest beyond ourselves. Um, there will be an opportunity for those of you like, I don't know if I can do something every month. There will be an opportunity for help with some, they do need some seeds right now. Or no, they don't need seeds right now. What they need right now is they're waiting for harvest, so they need some, um, some maize so they have food while they're waiting for the, uh, for the harvest to come in. Okay? So they need something. So it'll be a short-term need for that. And then on Thursday, we'll also talk about potentially a well. So they have good gardens. They still don't have clean water. So uh, we're going to look at those things and pray about at the end of the year here. We would like to be able to communicate with them that we can, right now he's at the 300. We'd like to be able to communicate the 600 with them. But also we'd like to, be able to communicate progress toward um, the well. Okay, so... Think about that as we're coming. We don't do a lot of like big giving campaigns and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but this will be something over the next month or two as we just think about an extension of what we've already been doing. This is just the relationship has grown, so we want to grow with it. Okay? Does that sound good? What are we praying about? Six hundred total a month. Where are we at currently? What is the personal invitation I'm making to you on that in that regard? Pray about what you can do as an individual on a monthly commitment. Okay? Oh, yes. I'm going to pray for Lila right now. She's going yeah. to run a 6K right now. Put your hands out to the put to her. You've grown about four inches since I saw you. God, thank you for Lila. I thank you for the ability to run, the health to run. We speak to her. I pray that she would experience your pleasure as she runs. I pray that she would keep her and everybody else that's running safe. Thank you for her and her life. We love you, God. We love her. We bless you. Jesus. Run fast. Go. Six K. Six K with lunch. Who does he say? We're gonna do the meatball marathon. All right. Um, other updates. So we're, just a moment. We're going to pray for Abby. Abby, how far along are you? Abby has a week left. What was that? Due Saturday. So Abby wanted to, she's, uh, you know, one of the things that happens whenever we're not here every week is if you end up missing a week because you're not feeling good, then you kind of miss it sometime. So she reached out to Katie this week. Um, 
and we were very, very excited to pray for you. So let me do that in just a second. Another thing I want to let, let you know about uh, real quick is there's several of you. We have a need we have right now with Heather in her car. And um, if I have the details correct, your car is due for inspection now. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. See? Not now. Tomorrow. We got plenty of time. Uh, and yeah. So the people, so uh, Heather has been involved um, with us for about a year and a half. Right? Yep. And she she lives out in transfer, so she's redoing her house. Her car's not going to pass inspection. So we need to pray with her, and there's an opportunity to say, if you would want to give. The way that we think about this is like, this is not a, um, a church fundraiser, but like we have a call as the body of Christ to help make sure the needs are being met. If your way to do that is to pray with her, that's great. But I know there have been people that have really felt moved in their heart to help her. So um, there have been already four or five people who have, uh, I know, who communicated to me that they're giving some of already given um, to Heather. But if you would like to be a part of that, um, there is there is a need to get her a car. What's <laughs> happening? I'm hoping to get something. The first, yeah. Yesterday. So we want we want to be praying about that, and please keep us posted about that. But I know I know that this is an area that like um, we have been in a place where I remember like we didn't have a car, and I was blessed by the way that people helped us with rides and all that kind of thing. And then I remember I'll never forget Mike Weber came over to my house one night right before he was leaving to go on a trip, and um, we didn't have a car for like months, and it was frustrating. We were supposed to be heading out and I had faith for this crazy amount of money that God was supposed to give us. And Mike was working at the outlets at the time and Mike came and he's like, hey bro, this isn't much, but I just want to sell it to your family to have a vehicle. And I was like, it was, I don't know, it was very profound that somebody was willing to do that. And then Cody came over and I thought, oh, Cody's like, hey, I know you guys are going to do that. Oh, is Cody going to do the same thing? Cody came and he not he had probably spent the same amount of money that Mike had, but he bought I remember he bought Abby some art stuff for the trip and he bought like a gift for Adrian and I and he wanted to sell it to our family but it was a different a completely different thing. So and he gave us a gas card. He gave us a gas card when we had no vehicle. I'm, I'm saying that story for a second. I'll tell you I'll tell you the, the, the payoff in a moment. But like just because some people may really feel called to give money and you may not feel called to give money, like. The thing in our hearts that I want us to be really asking ourselves coming out of that parable of the talents is, God, what have you given me? What have you entrusted me? Some of you, when you pray, like God listens when all of us pray, some of you have a gift of faith. And you not need, you not only need to be praying, but you need to be communicating that you're praying. Because when you say, hey, I'm praying for you, that releases something. For some of you, you may feel like guys tell me to go help Heather with some renovations on the house instead of, or some of you may feel like, man, I'm all in, right? But this is a place where we want to let this need be known. Do you have a, do you have a total budget that you're shooting for? Um, Angie got the number 7,000. 7,000. Um, at this point, whatever got for yep. is where I'm at. But I do want to say, I started, finally started training for my dog training. Yay, that's awesome. I'm loving it. That's good. There's a lot of opportunities. Praise God. Praise God. 